the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's great to be with you today on this fine Thursday afternoon, beautiful day here in Southern California. You can join the conversation by calling me at 888-LA-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS. You can also email me and email the show, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I do hope that you are having a a great day today. You know, lots of stories in the news. I wanted to highlight one because I think there's a really good thing that we need to take from it. There's lots of different reasons to the story is important. It's the uh, Brittany Griner story. You're familiar with her. She's the WNBA star who's been imprisoned in Russia. And uh, she got arrested for having some hashish oil at the airport on a trip to Moscow last uh, winter, right before the invasion of Ukraine. So that comp- uh, complicated things quite a bit. There's many reasons why this is a big story today, many reasons why this should matter to you. Uh, it's it's a big story when an American is detained in a foreign country, and she might be probably as guilty of breaking those laws. Um, and we're going to see what happens. See, and, and um, she's going to be potentially convicted of a crime that will put her in a Russian penal colony for 10 years. And uh, you know what? That's not like a uh, just a run-of-the-mill you know prison, which is bad enough. It's uh, likely a labor camp. It's not a good situation. And she is likely to be convicted in uh, this case for doing something that would likely be a very minor offense in the United States or not even an offense at all in some other countries in the world. So these things are a big deal. If you're a foreign traveler, you know, it matters that you pay attention to what the laws are and you don't break them. You don't sneak and try to break them. Many of you have been to Mexico or you've known people who've gone down across the border and you get in trouble in Tijuana or somewhere and you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, I got in some trouble inadvertently, not me personally, but our whole mission team in El Salvador once. And it was a scary thing because we don't have the... Uh, you know, the the same justice system down there as we do up here or anywhere else. Uh, What happened is our bus driver at the airport ran over one of those big orange cones and uh, for some reason got pulled over for that. They were probably looking for a reason to pull over and search. A bunch of Americans who got off and got onto this bus. And the scary thing was, is we were there for a long time and we were waiting for um, some kind of resolution. Our bus driver gets out and uh, he's just talking and, uh, you know, we're on the bus and we're just enjoying the fact that we're there, not thinking much of it. We thought he's just gotten some trouble, you know, traffic violation kind of thing. But then it became pretty clear that this was a bigger deal. And they started talking to him and then he gets back on the bus and you could tell our bus driver was very nervous and he was not smiling. He was not happy. And uh, he said, everybody, just stay where you are. Uh, We're being asked to uh, go to a different location. And so we pulled away from the airport in San Salvador, and uh, we parked. By now, it was nighttime. So we were sitting there a long time. Sun and gun. It was already evening, but we were there maybe an hour before he got back on the thing, on the bus. And he pulls over, and we, we pull out of the airport and then pull over underneath a tree in this very dark place. There's no lights, no nothing. We all think we're going to get shot in the head. No. 
what is happening? And then he goes out and he's arguing with them for a long time. And uh, it turned out that part of the problem was, is they were harassing us a little bit, but the problem is, is that now they had pulled us over, we might have to go deal with the ticket and that might have to be done in, uh, in San Salvador somewhere downtown and it was going to take hours and we might just be stuck on that bus sitting underneath that tree for hours. But we didn't know that at the time. We're in a lot of prayer. He actually uh, bribed the officers with Bibles. We were carrying uh, Spanish language Bibles to El Salvador and he bribed them, the officers. They took them. <laughs> that's what happened. Um, and they seemed to be happy to get them, and uh, our lives were spared. I don't think our lives really were in jeopardy, but we didn't know. And uh, it was a scary moment. So these stories, of course, they matter if you are traveling anywhere, that the rest of the world's justice system is not like the United States. And as imperfect as our justice system is, I would ask you the question, what kind of justice system would you like to have then? One where there are no juries? One where you are presumed guilty and not innocent. One where you don't get your own defense. The state provides your defense and the prosecution. The same attorneys do that, which is the way it is in Russia. And there are many reasons in this case why the Brittany Griner story should matter to us, particularly at a time where we seem to want to tear everything down here and we don't understand how good it is we have. Now, with respect, we certainly have lots of problems. And many of you are disappointed with our justice system, either because of personal reasons or because of things that you've seen uh, other people go through. And it's not perfect. It isn't. But I would ask the question, what kind of justice system would you like then? What would a biblical justice system look like ultimately in our current scenario? Obviously, ultimately, a biblical justice justice system is Jesus is on the throne and uh, everything works out. Uh, He is on the throne permanently, but while we are living here and his kingdom is coming— Uh, We have to live in an imperfect world. How would we like it to be? The presumption of innocence is something that is hard to understand. It's difficult because sometimes we just know somebody's guilty and we got to go through the process of a of a trial, and uh, or we think they're guilty based on the public nature of their offense. Maybe we saw it on TV, it was videoed, you know, and uh, often we're right about that. Although sometimes we're wrong. Uh, You know, sometimes we think we know what all the facts are in a case because we have a perception of what we've seen, but we we don't know all of it. And that's why we have a system. That's why we have – that's one reason why we have the philosophy of being innocent until proven guilty. And in Brittany Griner's case, if you're not familiar uh, with her, she's an WNBA star who was arrested. I mentioned this earlier. And uh, she's going to trial, and she pleaded guilty today basically saying, I didn't plan on breaking the law, and uh, we don't know all of the uh, details, I think, of it. Well, here's, here's kind of the story. So Russian, uh, Russian customs officials said that they found vaping cartridges containing traces of hashish oil in her luggage when she passed through a security checkpoint at the airport in Moscow on February 17th. That's just a week before the Ukrainian invasion. The drug charges that she faces carry a sentence up to 10 years at a penal colony in Russia. Her lawyer, a guy named Alexander Boykov, he says that he expects the trial to begin and last about two months as it began today. He said that we don't know at this point what evidence they have. We don't know how many volumes of evidence they want to read into the record. But usually in this type of case, it's formidable and significant. See, the thing is that she's facing is her attorney that she's given over there is not privy to all of the information that the state is going to bring up against her. He has to deal with it on the fly in court. You know, in our system, 
and there's some sandbagging and, and games that go on, of course, in our legal system. But in our system, you have a process of discovery. The prosecution has to tell your defense lawyer what it is they have. You have to say what witnesses you're going to call and what they're going to say. You often have the ability to interview those witnesses beforehand. And so a lot of what happens in trial isn't necessarily a surprise uh, to everyone. You often hope that the witnesses actually say what they plan, what you think they're going to say in court. And you mostly hope that they're going to convince the jury one way or the other, you know, in your favor. That's what you want. Well, they don't have that in Russia. That is not what she is going to have in that justice system. In May, the United States State Department affirmed that the concerns that uh, Greiner and her family have had um, are that she's being wrongfully detained, that this probably wouldn't happen if there wasn't a war in Ukraine that we are supporting as a nation. And the reason the State Department is now declaring that she is being wrongfully detained isn't necessarily because she is not guilty. But what it does is it shifts the responsibility in the United States for the case uh, to a government bureau that leads and coordinates the United States diplomatic and strategic efforts on overseas hostage crises and hostage cases. So we're not calling her a hostage, but the same organization in the United States that deals with hostage cases is now dealing with this. Okay, Uh, she has been classified, according to The New York Times, as wrongfully detained since April 29th, which means that the United States government has determined that she's being used as a political pawn. And is and so what that does is it allows the government, our government, to negotiate for her release, regardless of the legal process, regardless even if she is actually guilty of the crime. So the the problem that she's facing is that as a political prisoner, she is worth a whole lot more to the Russians. And what they will likely do is want to trade because we have some Russian citizens in our prisons. All right, there's a guy named Victor Bout. And he was convicted by an American court and sentenced to 25 years in prison. Now, what he was convicted for was being an international arms dealer. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm thinking being an international arms dealer is more serious uh, than having a, a vaping cartridge uh, and getting caught at the airport by the TSA. Um, Russia also has another person they're interested in that is in United States custody, a guy named Roman Seleznev. And he's a computer hacker who was convicted in the United States for running a massive credit card and identity theft operation and sentenced to 27 years in prison in the United States. So uh, that's what the Russians are probably interested in. They would like to get these two citizens out. Now, these two citizens are convicted in American courts and convicted of pretty serious things. I don't know if you've ever had your your credit card uh, and identity stolen. Uh, It's a huge deal obviously, for people. And I've never had my identity stolen, but uh, I've had my credit card show up in those fraud things all the time. One year, in one 12-month period, my credit card, Christine, my credit card, we share it, um, got got stolen four times. The number got stolen. Remember that year where they had the, the Target hack, and then I think there was a hack at Rite Aid, or there was a hack at some other place? We Our card was in all of them. And every couple of months, suddenly, we have to redo our credit card. It's a nightmare. And the fourth one, I asked a person, I said, look, I need to know if I'm an idiot. Like, why does this keep happening to me? What am I doing that is so stupid that my credit card keeps getting out there? And the person just laughed. And they said, you're not doing anything. You're just unlucky. You just, for some reason, in these big these big hackings, your, your card is getting singled out. They get millions and millions of numbers. And for whatever reason... Uh, Scott, yours is being taken. So four four times in one one 12-month period, my credit card got taken. 
Uh, maybe that guy was part of the reason. Um, anyway, you can see the, the international crisis that is here. There is a war that in many ways we are involved in, even if we don't say we're at war. It's a proxy war. We're giving all kinds of money and all kinds of weapons to Ukraine. And that money is being used by the Ukrainians, presumably, to defend themselves and kill Russian soldiers. And the Russians know this. This is not a secret. There's certainly parts of it that's secretive. You know, what is all that, you know, those billions of dollars going for? You know, the weapons is pretty obvious, but the uh, the cash is less obvious. But it has something to do with supporting Ukraine and something to do with being against Russia, most likely. So the Russians know that. And now they have somebody who really is being convicted on a minor crime. I think our government is going to say, you know what, if there was not uh, this war going on, you probably would let her go. Uh, it's such a, a minor thing. But it isn't to the Russians. It's a pretty big deal. And uh, you know, having this hashish oil, I had to look it up. Like, is that legal now in the United States because marijuana is legal? And it's not, actually. It's a federal crime. And uh, I think they're about to change that. But for some reason, the hashish oil is still considered a, a serious drug offense. However, your conviction, even if you get conviction convicted, would be very small, probably a very small fine. And that's it. In Russia, it's 10 years. Uh, in labor camp. That's a big deal. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrier, your host. The number, if you want to join our conversation or add to this uh, topic, is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And I'm telling you about this because in our country, we have this this feeling that our system is so bad we need to get rid of it, or that's kind of what we're being told, and it seems to be beating us up. And what I want us to be able to ask is what system would you rather have? And the system that they have in Russia now is similar to a system that they have in many countries around the world. Even even countries that are Western don't have as many freedoms as we have in the justice system. And uh, rights to trial by jury and certain things like that, uh, it's not always consistent. See, in, in Russia, what she's going to deal with is she will not have a trial by jury. Uh, the entire case against you and the case supporting you comes from evidence that's all collected by the government, by the state. And you don't have the right even to call whatever witnesses you want. Let's say that somebody planted that stuff on her. That's not what she's saying. I think it's hers. But let's just say for a moment that she's being framed for this, that somebody put that in her bag. And for the, let's say the KGB, it's not the KGB, what are they now? There's some other, some other system of letters that means the same thing, practically speaking. Let's say they wanted a political prisoner and they said, hey, we got this American uh, basketball player here. Let's uh, let's get her. Let's put that in her luggage. Um, you don't have the right to bring in a witness who might have seen a airport official do that. The government controls all of it. You simply do not have a right to being presumed innocent and you do not have a right to defend yourself in the way that you would in our country. It's just not part of the system at all. And that's why this is so scary. That's why she's concerned, as she says, that she might be there for the rest of her life. Uh, this is a, a very important thing for us to understand. See, we live in a time where so many people here see the problems that we have in our system that are real, but we advocate just to burn it down without replacing it with anything that makes any sense. And see, if we, if we just burn it down... The result is going to be far less justice, tyrannical government, less prisons and more labor camps and executions. That's what we would have. That's the course of human events. When not confronted with the principles of freedom, when the principles of freedom are not fought for, such as jury trials and the concept of being innocent until proven guilty, you get tyranny. You get less justice. You get 
government that wants to use you as a political pawn and has the power to do so. And we need to think about that as we talk about reforms which are needed and we talk about the difficulties that we have and we see. We also have to acknowledge that actually our system is pretty good, that most of the time the jury system in our country works very well. And I've been on a jury and it's crazy. And I still have to admit, ultimately, the jury system works most of the time. And this is something that's really important, in spite of the fact that we're going to hear about times when the jury system doesn't work, in spite of the fact that even if you're like me at the time, I'll tell another time, but I was on a jury one time where, you know, they thought the idea that maybe aliens came down and did it might be reasonable. That was a scary thing for me sitting on that jury. However, I have to even even I disagreed with our jury's verdict. Uh, We were hung jury is what it was. And um, I disagreed But even after some time has gone by, I've thought, you know, that jury, as crazy as the reasons were for becoming a hung jury, it still might have been right in the concept of justice for this this girl who was accused. What does the Bible have to say about this? See, this is something else that I think matters. I think this is an undercurrent, and we have to be aware of this, in a lot of the conversation we have about tearing down anything that is Western that part of it is spiritual, that part of it is ideas like being presumed innocent until proven guilty is not just a Western idea. It's something that came out of a Judeo-Christian ethic. It's something that you actually find in the scripture. The idea that being presumed innocent until proven guilty is something that historians and legal historians have decided over time is self-evidently true, that the accuser has the obligation whether that accuser is the government or if you're suing somebody, the government or the accuser has the obligation to prove the accusation in a criminal case beyond a reasonable doubt if you're accusing somebody of a crime. In 1895, the United States Supreme Court case, Coffin versus United States, made this observation that going back all the way to the the Roman Empire, the idea that somebody has to be considered innocent until proven guilty has been something that has mattered. And in that case, they claimed, they, they quoted um, a guy named Del Phidias, who was a passionate man. And he was seeing in a case that was held in public, which was unusual, which is another thing that happens in our court cases. Most of them, they're public, um, which also puts a lot of pressure on the truth uh, being uh, ultimately found out. The public uh, trial, he saw that he was going to lose and he couldn't restrain himself. And he exclaimed, Oh, illustrious Caesar, if it is sufficient to deny what hereafter after will become of the guilty. And what he was saying is, this person's guilty. Everybody knows this person's guilty. Everybody's seen it. Of course, this person is guilty. The problem is, is he was having trouble proving it. He was having trouble proving it with evidence and with witnesses. And Caesar Julian said, if it suffices to accuse, what will become of the innocent? Meaning that if all you have to do to say that somebody's guilty is just accuse them, then innocent people are going to get accused all the time and found guilty. And isn't that what we see very often, even in our culture today? We're seeing that. Isn't that what council, council culture is all about? Isn't that what we're seeing in so many different movements in our culture today, where the idea is, hey, if I accuse you of wrongdoing, then you're guilty simply because I accused you. Yeah, see, that's what happens. That's what's happening in cancel culture. That is a big part of a lot of what has happened in Um, the conversations that we've had about um, sexual crimes and uh, even crimes uh, that are racial related. And um, it's part of 
the the whole academic structure of, of theory arguments, not just critical race theory, but every other kind of theory, like I mentioned, there's a bunch of theory, where the idea is that, hey, the, the power should move over to the accuser rather than the innocent person or the person accused. The person accused shouldn't necessarily have power over the accuser, but there needs to be a system. See, the American founders quoted William Blackstone, a British person, who said that all presumptive evidence of a felony should be admitted cautiously, for the law holds that it is better that ten guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. The Bible speaks more definitively about this. The idea of the notion of innocent until proven guilty, it's in the inherent nature of God. That's the way it is. God proves to us, by the way, that we're guilty of sin all the time. That they're part of the reason that you aren't punished for your sin right away, like if you tell a lie, your teeth don't just immediately fall out. Part of the reason that Jesus didn't show up on the scene, the, the Savior, for thousands of years. Part of the reason that Jesus has not returned is because in God's forbearance, the scriptures tell us, he's letting it known to us that we are guilty as charged of our sin. It's really, really important. And all throughout scripture, you have the idea that one witness is not sufficient testimony against a person. Numbers 3530, whoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the testimony of witnesses, plural, but one witness is not sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death in the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death in the testimony of one witness. Over and over again in the New Testament, 1 Timothy, Matthew, 2 Corinthians, uh, Hebrews, Revelation, Matthew, John, there's always this idea that you need witnesses to prove that somebody is guilty, that the accusation itself is not enough. It's important to accuse if there is somebody doing something wrong, but there is a procedure for it. It's biblical. Here's the point. Our justice system works well when we follow it. Are there errors? Yes. That's why we have DNA evidence today freeing a lot of people who are falsely imprisoned. It's a horrible thing to falsely imprison somebody. But our system actually does pretty well at keeping that number low, and it's improving at giving somebody a second look as more evidence or technology creates the opportunity to do that. The Brittany Griner story is important for a lot of reasons, but one of them is to remind us this about our system. It's based on a Judeo-Christian biblical foundation. And it does work most of the time, and we should be grateful for it. That doesn't mean we don't look at it. That doesn't mean we don't try to reform it. But we have to be grateful for it. All right, I got to take a break. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number, if you want to join our conversation, is 888-528-2557. We'll be back with the Thursday edition of Southern California Live in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you today. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We started the show talking about the Brittany Griner case, and uh, she is the basketball star from the WNBA who is imprisoned in Russia and uh, pleaded guilty today for she had a small amount of uh, hashish, basically a vaping oil that she was caught with in the Moscow airport. It's very illegal in Russia to have any amount of that. And uh, she was caught with that. There's a lot of reasons this is important. Obviously, it's important if you know who she is, and it's important, you know, for her and her family and loved ones. And, you know, there's a personal side to it. I think it's important for all of us to look, though, to realize something that the uphill battle that she might have, the reason that our government has to treat her like a hostage and will probably have to exchange prisoners to get her out, 
um, even if she's guilty and even if the prisoners on our side are guilty, uh, it's a pretty big deal. And to me, and I think one of the points that we have to keep in mind here is as much as we understand that we need to always and continue to reform our system, our system is pretty good here in the United States. We are innocent until proven guilty, even if that's not really the case, right? I mean, often that's, you know, it's it's a funny concept because sometimes you're sitting there and you look at somebody and you think they're guilty just because they're sitting uh, sitting there. In fact, uh, there's a guy, a uh, friend of mine, and uh, we were laughing about getting kicked off of juries. Usually I don't make it because uh, when I was a pastor, uh, I haven't been called yet as a radio host. I'm looking forward to that moment. Uh, what do you do for a living? I am a talk radio host. I'm assuming I'm going to get kicked out for that too. Uh, I got kicked out all the time for juries. Usually I would tell them I'm a pastor and I already would leave the seat and start walking out and just wave to them before they even dismiss me because usually I'm immediately out. Um, the one time I got on a jury, it was only because I was the last person in the room and they only had one more spot. And I said I was a pastor and I thought, well, that's it. I'm out of here. And the judge says he sighs real heavily and he goes, do you think you can be impartial? Because if I can't put you on this jury, then I got to go get a whole room full of people and do this all over again. Well, yeah, I can be impartial. And then I got on the jury. Otherwise, they tossed me right out. Well, my friend, what he likes to do, and I'm not saying you should do this. In fact, you can be in contempt for this. So I'm just going to warn you, you got to be careful. But he likes to say, when they ask you, do you think you can be uh, impartial? He'll look at whoever's sitting at the uh, defendant's table and he'll go, well, if he's sitting at that table, he must be guilty of something. See, they just toss you right out for that. But uh, I think the judges are on to that, so don't do it. They'll 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 hold you in contempt and probably still put you on that jury. It is so important that we realize flaws, yes, we've got them, and we've got a lot of work to do. But the American system of justice is a good one. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Christina in Ventura. Christina, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, uh, I just wanted to say great show. Thank you. But I also wanted I also wanted to uh, piggyback on what you were talking about with Brittany Griner. Yeah. Um, I'm a I'm a 32 year old mother, and I just find it so crazy how society is. Um, you just see it more and more that nobody wants to take any type of responsibility of what they do, and um, I thought it was just so crazy that this woman. Uh, this professional basketball player goes all the way to Russia and has a team of people that, that are not aware of what she put in her bag. Um, I find it very odd and irresponsible that this lady just goes to another country, especially Russia with drugs in her bag. It's like, what were you thinking? Yeah. I've had that thought. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and the whole justice system here. I never had a pro. I've never really had issues with it. I used to work for uh, a lot of attorneys and retired judges, and you know my fiance, he's from Cuba, and uh, he came here as a kid. And all the stories that I've heard, mm. I was like, "Wow, we have it so good here compared yeah. to a lot of other countries." And he was telling me that his his uncle, um, when he was in in Cuba. He just said out loud, I'm hungry in Cuba. I'm so hungry. And the Cuban officers threw him in jail for five years just and beat him up and just, just because he said, I'm hungry. Hmm. 
Can you imagine a government or a society where you're just saying you're starving and they beat you up and they throw you in jail for five years just to say just for saying that? And I'm like, wow, just wow. And how how precious we are to be here, to even have such freedom of right of freedom to even say what we want to say. Yeah. So I just I just thought it was just bizarre that one, this lady goes all the way to Russia and calling for a handout in the United States to be like, Wow, how how who do you think you are? Like how do you just go over there and say, Hey, United States come help me for something that I did wrong? Like what? Like, you know, I know what? I understand why she's doing that because she's in that situation, but I have asked myself and uh, Christina, thank you very much for your call and uh, being a listener to Southern California Live. I have wondered, does she know it was illegal? Was she told? Is she over there with a the group? And I'm wondering now, as there you know, do we really understand what the Russian government is about. And like you mentioned, the Cuban government, what do we not understand? Have we lost this? And I think we have. I think the answer is yes, we don't. I I think maybe she went over there and didn't think it was a big deal. Maybe she didn't care to look to see if it was uh, illegal. Maybe she thought, well, it's only kind of sort of illegal in the United States. I might get in a little trouble, but not that much. Um, Do we not understand how serious it is and how important the freedoms we have, how rare they are, actually. I guess that's probably it. Our experience in every in other places, you don't have the freedom to say the things that you have to say here in the United States. In just about any country in the world, including our European allies, you can't say all the same stuff. You can't always just criticize uh, the government in the same way. There are limits that are uh, significant that we don't have. We are blessed here, and it isn't to say that we have the perfect system. We've got to be... Uh, fighting for our system to make it right. In fact, most of the time when our system is messed up, it's because somebody went around the system. It's because some attorney or somebody decided to not follow the rules, not follow the the law. That's why we have an appeal system that works pretty well too. Um, you know, and there's there is the you know imbalance. Or if you got a lot more money, you can do a lot better in the appeals. You can hire a better attorney, and there are systems like you know issues like that that we need to confront and deal with. But at the same time. Would you rather have the Cuban government system? Would you rather have the Russian government? Would you rather have the same treatment that you get in other countries? I don't think you would, uh, regardless of what we think. And I think that really, really matters. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Let's go to Maria in Los Angeles. Maria, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you? Um, God, I listen to your program a lot, and I like um, how much you take everybody's viewpoint. So I'm going to be like the devil's advocate on this because um, I worked in the system for a long time. And I think it's a wheel and deal uh, system where people are used as pawns. I mean, they actually don't even review half the cases when they go to court. Mm. They just make deals with the opposing party to see whether you're guilty or not. And I do not believe that you are not guilty before you're guilty because as soon as you go in the system and there's a charge against you, they charge you guilty. No matter what, you, you can take a deal, but if you take a deal, you're guilty. You have to say no contest, which ultimately means that you're guilty. So I think our system really needs to get a lot of work on and um, the whole wheel and deal idea game with money and profits is completely wrong. And also, the lady who was caught in Russia, 
Um, I really doubt that. I doubt that she has hashes, uh, hashes on her because I think that this is a political um, thing that we don't understand, and they're using, the Russians are using her for that because I don't think any Olympic star who is pretty smart would go to another country with, with anything on her because, listen, I was stopped a lot of times, even when I was working in the system, and them trying to put uh, charges on me that were not real, only because I made suggestions of changing the system. And one other thing, I think we should have international law. That will take a long time to build, I'm sure. But I think that our laws, if she's caught or anybody is caught in another country, they should be sent back to our country and charged accordingly from mm. our country and our point of view. So I think there's a lot that has to be done, and I do not think the system is fair at all. And maybe you can suggest to other systems that say it's the best one around. Uh, but really, every single system should allow people freedom and certain unalienable rights, no matter where they go. And, you know, people are used as pawns for political reasons. And it's a shame, but that's what I see, and that's what I think it's all about. Maria, thank you very much for uh, your comments. What did you do in the justice system? Were you uh, a clerk, or um, you said you worked for some lawyers? I was a paralegal, and I worked with the criminal law area. And all I know is one thing. They hand you about 50 to 100 cases a day with people who you are determining whether they will go to jail for 80 years or 50 years, whether they will be sentenced for one year. And most of the sentencing is done by 20, 30 people at a time. You go back, they don't even look at what you interview them for. Mm. I mean, the, the case is dealt with attorneys who just deal each other. It's a will and deal system. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with who you are and what, what it is. It just has to do with political politics. It's all politics. It's yeah. horrible, really. Maria, I gotta go to I gotta go to a break, Maria. But I do thank you for your call. And uh, you know, one of the things I would say is Maria's right that uh, there is a lot in our system, a lot where it's really about getting the files off the desk, right? And then you have a system where you have people plead, or she mentioned you can plead no contest, which really isn't saying you're guilty, but it is, in, you know, with respect to the you know effect it has. Uh, it's not quite as much as being convicted, but it's uh, it's it is a problem. What I would say is this. Part of our problem is that we're not following our rules of innocent until proven guilty, and in particular, in this case, the right to a speedy trial. We do not have speedy trials, and that's part of the reason for court backups. That's part of the reason for the attorneys and the state having this, this what she was calling wheeling and dealing. It definitely happens, and it's definitely a problem, and there's a lot of innocent people getting tied up in that, for sure. Uh, that's true. Um, but this is not because our system is bad in the sense that it, we're not following the system. That's what I would argue is that, you know, you should have a speedy trial. You get, you know, if it's not, there's not much that's that complicated. Uh, there's a lot of things that aren't complicated. Those, why can't you have really quick trials? There's got to be a way. I guess this is what I'm, I'm headed toward with a lot of this conversation. We definitely have to do reforms, and, and uh, Maria makes some really good points uh, about that. But I think that we've gotten away from speedy trial. We've gotten away from the a more simplified notion of things. And there's some reasons for that. I get it. Um, but this still is to say that even with all of that going on, our system is still pretty good. 
And um, we need to reform it and pay attention to those things, but not at the expense of the whole system, not at the expense of burning it down or imagining a system that doesn't exist. All right, I got to take a break and then we'll uh, continue with this discussion. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live Thursday edition. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join in our conversation, 888-528-2557. We have been talking about the Brittany Griner trial in Russia and the notion that she doesn't have the freedoms there that she would have here in the same circumstance. And there is a whole lot of different um, opinions going out around that. One of them, this is from an interview with Vanessa Nygaard, who is her WNBA team coach, where a reporter asks her about, would it be different if this were Tom Brady? And she suggests it would be different if it was LeBron. This is what she says. Did you see the James Wade quotes? I didn't. From he said if this were Tom Brady, he'd, yeah. be, he'd be out by now. Sure. Yeah, if it was LeBron, he'd be home, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Really, that really sucks. It does. I think people might think that it def- there's definitely a political notion. I wonder if it would be more in Russia's favor to keep somebody like LeBron or Tom Brady because they're more high profile. Uh, but it, it would sure get a lot more attention, right? I mean, I think the more famous you are, the more wealthy you are, the more you can stir the pot, the more attention you're going to get. That's certainly certainly the case. But at the same time, you also become a lot more valuable. And uh, you know what's going on in Russia is bad. What is happening in this uh, – and certainly there's a political angle to – um, what's happening with her, even if she's completely guilty of this offense. Uh, there's definitely a political side. That's how our government is treating it, um, that she is unlawfully detained, they are saying. But when we think about our own system, you know, we talked about before the break, speedy trial, the Sixth Amendment to the, the United States Constitution provides that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. I guess I have a question. What is a speedy trial? Because I I feel like we don't have that. Now, if you're the defendant and you want delays and you need more time to to put your case together, I understand that. That you're right. But if you've got your act together and you're ready to go, what is a speedy trial? In California, California courts, defendants have a right to a trial within 100 days to a year. And what that means is you can be locked up and be innocent for 100 days to a year before you get your trial. I don't know. To me, 100 days, if you are locked up, or even if you're freed, but you are under the uh, uh, the pressure of the trial coming out, to me, that feels like a long time. Maybe that's a speedy trial, but a year, that's a long time. I think that a lot of our, the internal problems that we have, the things that need to be reformed, have to do with that. We talked to uh, caller Maria called to mention how many cases are just uh, dealt with out of the courts by uh, lawyers from both sides making uh, uh, agreements and arrangements, and I get that, and that's probably justice for a lot of people. But for some people, it isn't. It's just getting the files off the desk, and maybe some of the reason that happens is because we don't actually have speedy trials. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. If you want to join the conversation, let's go to Cynthia in Palos Verdes. Cynthia, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. On the question of biblical clarity about justice, I was thinking about the parable of the unjust judge. 
And Jesus said, keep praying and do not give up. And I think keep praying means like continually. And don't give up sort of sounds like keep working the system. Keep looking at what your options are. Maybe she could bring in testimony. I know she can't bring in witnesses, but maybe she can bring in testimony in writing. Or maybe she can cross-examine the person who brings who speaks for the, uh, the state. I don't know. But the point is that Jesus says, don't give up. And then he also says, David said, although my enemies surround me, I look to your laws. And um, there's a lot of verses like that. And I think that we have to keep working the legal justice system. And then finally, Jesus said, um, look, uh, listen to what the unjust judge Said, And what the unjust judge said was, even though I don't care about God and I don't care about people, what they think, I will give her justice because she might attack me. Yeah. And I always thought that was strange because the widow probably can't attack a judge, but he had maybe an irrational thought. And then Jesus finally said, won't God give justice to the elect? And so... I think there's a lot in the Bible about how to approach justice predicaments. Yeah, you know what? I think that you are you're right. And one of the things, and I appreciate your call, Cynthia, for uh, bringing that up. The uh, the parables in Luke 18. If you are wondering where that is, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared not God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I don't really know what he means by attack, but he she's obviously an, an annoyance to him. She is obviously um continually bringing her plea and i think you're right that we don't give up i think in the britney griner case you know she should not just roll over i think in cases that we might have here um we don't uh roll over uh we don't give up we we should fight as much as we can it's hard if you don't have the money it's hard if you don't have the time and uh you know there's a lot of reasons why you just give up it's why you might plead no contest or you do something just to get it over with that happens a lot. Once again, that gets us back to we don't have speedy trials. I think what Jesus is saying, he continues in verse 6, he says, listen to what the unjust judge says, and God will not, uh, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will he find faith on the earth? I think there is always in Scripture there is a real sense of how real human beings are and how justice systems in this world really are. Uh, there is not a a sense that the justice system is always going to work. The Bible has um, instruction for how it should work, the idea of innocent until proven guilty or the idea that uh, an accuser needs to bring forward at least two witnesses, okay, for a criminal offense if we're really having, and they can't just be any witnesses, right? They can't be just witnesses who you talk to and now they're a witness. They have to be independent. They have to be people who have nothing to gain from it. They have to be seen as legitimate. 
there is a lot in the Bible that says, hey, in our fallen world, the reason you need this, by the way, is because it's a sinful world and it's an unjust world and any system is going to be unjust. That's probably the default. That's something I think that people forget about the scripture is that the default position for systems and for humanity is unjust, injustice. We're here to bring true justice and you follow the the word of God and you get that. And then ultimately Jesus brings justice for real permanently to everybody. God, the Bible is always going to teach us about the reality of the world we live in. Not necess- it's not necessarily how it ought to be. That's how it will be once Jesus returns and, and uh, everything is taken care of. But there is a way that it is now. And in, in the Brittany Griner case, it's good that she is uh, bringing the United States government. I think it's good that they're pressuring President Biden. It's good that they're going to bring more and more public attention. That's what they need to do. Uh, they need to change it so that the Russians, whatever value she has as a political prisoner, is less than the value of getting rid of her because she's causing too much negativity worldwide. That's got to be the strategy. And that's what this woman's strategy is in Luke 18, is she just keeps bothering this judge who doesn't care. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't care what people think. And yet she keeps bothering him. And she, she doesn't want he doesn't want to come under attack. I don't know if that means physical attack. It might just mean, you know, maybe he's worried. Maybe she's crazy. I don't know. But I think he, she is causing him some public disgrace. And it's probably that kind of attack. I don't know. She's going to write a bad review on on the Hebrew Yelp or something. Uh, He doesn't want that. That's the system. In our system, I think we have to fight for each other. I think that our system, when we are paying attention, is very good. And most of the time it does work. And we should be grateful for that. However, at the same time, we should keep fighting for each other so that this happens. All right, it, I've got to take a break. This is a uh, interesting topic, friends. I think that when we take these things in the news and we really look at how they impact our world today, they do matter. And uh, I hope that this situation with uh, uh, Brittany Griner works out, that if she's you know guilty of something over there, that the punishment is fair. She's probably already dealt with it uh, in the same way that she would have here, a very light sentence, although nothing over there is light in this, this circumstance certainly isn't good. So we need to pray for our government that these things work out because it's all so much bigger. Uh, this could be an act of war. This could be something that increases our chances of getting into an actual shooting war uh, with Russia or bringing it into Ukraine. What did Putin say today? Putin says this crazy thing that says, oh, this is just the beginning. You know, we're barely getting warmed up. What does he mean by that, I wonder? Anyway, lots going on. Hey, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. And uh, we'll be back in the next hour. We're going to talk about uh, communication and what our messaging is and why that matters. Stick with us. You can go to kkla.com to get the podcast of this hour and any hour of our show. I'm Scott Furrow, Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.